Well, that was some awesome singing and praise and worship, was it not? Amen. It is uh, so good to be in the house of the Lord today. And uh, as it's been said, this is it. Today is the day. Every calendar year that rolls around, uh, you know, we as followers of Christ, we without a doubt look forward to Easter Resurrection Sunday because what it stands for, the, the crux of our faith is based on this fact. Without it, there is, there is nothing. We have, we're, we have nothing without it, but we do have everything in it because these are facts that are true. It's not something that someone made up. This is all real reality, what we see here in the scriptures this morning. Uh, we'll be in... 1 Corinthians chapter 15 this morning, verses 1 through 4. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just excited to, to see what the Lord is going to do uh, as He always does. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be able to stand before you and, and bring this word, be used to bring this word. So we'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. When you get there, please stand if you will. And we'll go ahead and read the word of the Lord this morning and pray. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses uh, 1 through 4, starting in verse 1. It says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, Again, thank you for this awesome truth. We can say it is awesome. Honestly, you're the only one that we should even refer that word awesome to because you're the one that's done this mighty, incredible work of coming to this world you created and redeeming your creation that was lost. No longer do we have to be apart from you for eternity. No longer do we have to walk through this life and uh, you know, be stuck in the muck and the mire, but we can be filled with the joy and the peace that you provide, that is you, by accepting this free gift of salvation that you give. And it's all based on the fact that your son laid his life down and took it back up on the third day. We're so grateful for that reality and that truth. Father, please speak to our hearts now through your word. We pray this all in the wonderful name, in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. This is a beautiful thing. All our lives, we're searching. We're searching for something. It's again, that God-shaped hole that's designed in every person, and only Jesus Christ can fill that hole. Eternal life is found in Jesus Christ alone, and we can rejoice in that, being that our eyes have been opened up to the truth and the reality that's found in Jesus. John chapter 6, verse 
48 through 51 tells us this, and this is Jesus speaking of himself. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And that bread that I will give for the life of this world is my flesh. And that's a, that's a beautiful indication, speaking of physical life, physical death, and spiritual life, spiritual rebirth, and the fact that Jesus Christ gave himself as that perfect sin sacrifice so we can have eternal life in him. And again, this is, this is a time to celebrate and rejoice and be grateful for the fact that we get to partake in this. We get front row seats. We get to partner with Christ, knowing our sinful state, but the fact that he says, you know what, I love you so much as my, my prize creation that, you know what, I'm going to discount that and I'm still going to allow me, us, and him to come together. That's a beautiful thing. We get to have an intimate relationship with him and it's not based on works, it's not based on merit, it's not based on good deeds or good inclinations, but it's based on the fact of God's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's a beautiful reminder. As we celebrate, uh, celebrate excuse me, this truth daily as followers of Christ, but again, today is just so special because when we look through the scriptures, it all points to Christ. It points to his coming to the earth and living a perfect life, going to the cross, being buried for three days, and raising from the dead. This is what we celebrate. This is such a beautiful thing. Some people have a problem with these statements, though, that Jesus Christ makes while he was in his ministry here on earth. Probably the biggest complaint that, that I hear is, how can Jesus say he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life? No one can get to heaven. No one can get to the Father but through Him. And as a Christian, I'm sure you've been told you're pretty narrow-minded if that's what you believe. You think that that's the only way to get to heaven. But the reality is, it's not about views or opinions, right? It's about facts. Either people are correct and you can forge your own way to heaven through other gods, through good works, and through good deeds, or the God of all creation saw it fit in his infinite wisdom to funnel salvation through his one and only son, Jesus Christ. You see, the reality is this. No one asks to be born. No one asks to be the race or the culture that they're in. No one asks to be in the family that they were born into. You and I had absolutely no control over that. We had no say-so in the matter. Everyone also who is born, one day your time here on this earth will expire. And yes, in fact, you will die a physical death. This is a fact. You can't explain it away. People try to do everything they try, they try to do to stay looking young and stay healthy. And I guess those are good things. Take care of your body, yes, for sure. But again, as I said before, there's something strangely wrong when you're 60, 70 years old and you look like you're 25. 
your body is wasting away. That's just the reality of time living in a fallen world. Because of sin, which separates us from God, we all know we must die a physical death. But God Almighty being full, actually being mercy and compassion. We like to say he's full of mercy and compassion, but he actually is the embodiment of mercy and compassion. Those are a few of his attributes, right? He provided a way, again, so his most prized possession wouldn't have to suffer apart from him for eternity, meaning we could be reinstated, if you will. Our relationship could be reconciled. The, the bridge, and Jesus Christ is that bridge that bridges us back to the Godhead. This is why the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so critical in every believer's life, actually in every person's life. How we regard Jesus Christ and what he has done for us personally will determine where we will spend eternity when we pass on. There are several main points that I'd like us to focus on this morning. We know the main point. This all, these are all sub-points of the fact that Jesus Christ is resurrected, that he is the resurrection, the truth, and the life. These points undergird that main point. The first one is this. The true gospel that is preached you must hold on to as your life depends upon it. In this portion of Scripture, we see that Paul expresses to the church what saved them and how this saving grace was possible. He goes on to share how important it is for believers to hold on to the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Notice I said the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, not the preaching of X, Y, and Z, or the preaching of the gospel and Jesus Christ, and there's nothing else. It's all about Jesus Christ. It's all about Him and what He has done for us so we may be relieved of this bondage called sin. This holds, this holding on to Jesus Christ is far more than just a one-time experience. You see, you and I must cultivate a lifestyle of standing upon the rock of Jesus Christ. The truth that we find in the revelation of Jesus, that has the power to save one's soul. This is the point that Paul was trying to get across to the believers. The second point is this. All in its entirety, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the good news. When you, when you go throughout the Bible, right, from cover to cover, the main theme of the Bible is God's fa God the Father's love is so strong for His creation that He gave His only Son, Jesus Christ, as a ransom for all of mankind, for any who would turn and receive the gift of salvation, they could be counted as sons and daughters of the Most High. God knows our hearts and that in our best attempts to do good, really, it's, spring, it's sprung forth out of selfish intent. There's, there's none that do good. We may think that, oh, well, I have a noble cause or I'm trying to do something good, but somewhere in there, 
There may just be a sliver of it, but there's some form of impurity in that. Apart from Jesus Christ, we cannot do good. We just simply can't do good. It's impossible. It's not in us to do so, in our carnality, in our natural state, fallen creation. Quite the opposite. We learn at every, we lean at every corner towards sin, some, some way, form, or fashion. It's only by the regenerated heart that comes by the life-changing power of the gospel can wayward men and women be saved. And Jesus Christ is the center of this regeneration, or He is the regeneration. He is the portion that we need to make us right before Him. Without Jesus Christ going to the cross and enduring the sin of the world being placed upon Him and having to experience death momentarily, being separated from His Father, salvation wouldn't be possible. This was the means. This was the plan from times past, from before this world was created. The Trinity already had this in place. This was what was going to happen to bring man back. The reality truly is, all you have to do is turn on KTVU at 10 o'clock for five minutes and you can witness for yourself that we live in a fallen world. Just look at the different headlines. And, you know, I get it. Some people say fake news, this and that. Whatever. The reality is when somebody's getting gunned down for this and that or when you find out that people are making satanic shoes for whatever reason and this and that, that stuff is real. I don't care fake news, whatever. Those things are real. People's lives that are being taken for foolish, silly things, that's real. So again, we see the reality of the depravity of the world we live in. So there has to be a solution. And that's why we can rejoice because we know what the solution is. We know who the solution is. It's all about Jesus. You see, things may seem hopeless, but they don't have to be for you today. This is where your perspective of who Jesus Christ is to you comes into play. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, then you will have no hope. You'll only merely numb the pain of this world by whatever form or method you choose to distract yourself with. But if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you can rest in Him no matter what circumstances you walk through in this life. The third main point, or I should say sub-point, is this. Having a better understanding of what Jesus Christ actually went through will help you and I to better appreciate what has actually been done for you and I. Even for followers of Jesus Christ, right? We can become numb to what has been done for us. I mean, we can think, we know that Jesus endured, uh, you know, the shame of the cross. We, we, we know this. We, we, we've, we've heard it preached many times or we grew up in the church. So we think we're good. So we can rest our laurels for a little bit. But... We really don't understand the depth of what Jesus Christ had to endure with just a gloss over of the crucifixion of Christ. As I was spending time studying 
for this message this week and you know uh you know you go through uh the word of god and you go through uh different credible commentaries and as i was reading in fine detail what jesus endured and and, and what what crucifixion would look like right I, I couldn't help but start to weep and start to cry on on the pages of of the books as they were open because i recognized that it was my sin take it personal it was my sin i know that i'm i couldn't die for myself and and save anyone let alone the the all of mankind and the fact that my sin put him there Every wrong thing that I have ever done, past, present, and future, caused this. But the beautiful thing is, He's the only perfect sacrifice. He's the only one. He's the only one that could have taken the place of every other person and endured that sin and that shame upon that cross and make it right so us, for us to be right with God the Father again. So that is a beautiful thing. And... It wasn't, it wasn't a quick, easy thing for him. He had to endure a lot. As I said, it wasn't like he was on death row and what we do in California now, I don't know if other states, but it's just lethal injection and you're gone in a matter of minutes. It was slow and painful and agonizing. But again, like I said, there was no one better or qualified to do this. Praise God for his steadfast endurance and for his love that he would go through this horrible experience and ultimately defeat it once and for all and be on top of that. Amen? All right, so let's look at these verses and see the rich truth that the Lord has for us today so that we may just forget about our problems and focus on Him. Our problems will pale in comparison when we really get a good sense and understand what has been done for us and how, again, there's so much to be thankful for in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, so back in verses 1 and 2, it says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word that I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So first off, we see that Paul describes how the gospel can benefit Man, how the gospel can be a good thing for mankind. But see, the gospel is only a benefit if it is received. You have to receive it and stand upon it. The word gospel means, you guys know this, I'm preaching to the choir, it means good news. As the word was used in ancient times, it really didn't necessarily... It could relate to anything. It wasn't, it wasn't synonymous just to the salvation of Jesus Christ. It was used as good news. This is good news that we have. But the best news is that we can be saved from the punishment we deserve from God because of what Jesus Christ did for us. As we see here, the Corinthian Christians first received this gospel. The message of the gospel, again, it first must be heard. How does faith come? Faith comes by what? Hearing, right? And you guys know the saying, God gave you and me, what? One mouth and two ears. Obviously, we should be doing a whole lot more listening than speaking. I think people that are wise 
they, 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 they tend not to speak a lot. I know Lou's good at that. Me, on the other hand, I probably, I probably talk way more. <laughs> and I, I tend to tell that to my son. Son, you need to, you know, but I guess the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. In any event, praise God that he uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. But we need to hear the gospel, receive it, believe it, and embrace it. We see in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, verse 13, he talks about this. He says, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. You see, this is not made up by men. People, some people will try to dissect and dice up the Bible and take scripture out of context and say, well, man wrote it. It's fallible. It's not perfect. It's not inspired by God. But you see, they cannot break it apart. They can't dissect it. They can't find flaws. They will just take things out of context. The reality is this word is inspired by the Holy Spirit. We've talked about this last week. You cannot explain away how so many different authors over such a long period of time from different places in the known world back then would all come to the same consensus, the same conclusion. How does it fit so perfect like a jigsaw puzzle, not one piece out of place? It's because the Bible is true. The Corinthian Christians, they did stand upon the gospel. And this is important for us to to understand and really take to heart. Because if you know anything about the Corinthian church, they were far from perfect. They had all kinds of problems. They were super carnal. They lacked understanding. Strife was involved with people. Divisions was going on. There was immorality. Even weird spiritual, spiritual doctrines that try to creep in. Yet they stood on the gospel of Christ. Doesn't that make you feel a little bit better? Not about yourself, but the fact that, okay. Because I think sometimes we have this perspective of church has to look a certain way. Do you know we're all sick? Do we understand this is a spiritual hospital? Nobody has it all together, right? We don't have to try to measure each other based on, well, I think that they're there, and that one sounds pretty mature spiritually, so I think that they're okay. No. At the foot of the cross, it equalizes every single person. We all come with our baggage. We all come with our issues, and we allow the Lord to sort it out, and then you know we can rejoice because, oh man, it's not about my performance. It's not about I have to look a certain way. It's not about, oh, i got to memorize these scriptures, or I, I have to look like this and posture myself. You see, those are Memorizing scripture is good, but don't base your worth on that because Jesus Christ didn't go to the cross so you can memorize scriptures. He went to the cross to relieve you of the sin that's in your heart and in my heart, right? When we have the right perspective, all those things will be put in their proper place and we won't esteem ourselves based on the fact that I know this or I know that or we won't look down upon ourselves because we say, well, I don't know this and I don't know that and I'm not worthy. We know we're not worthy. We don't need to beat ourselves up about it. We need to have a clear understanding that 
this was done. He wants us to rejoice in him for what he's done for us and we could really accept that love. You know that some people have a very hard time accepting gifts. They just can't accept it. They, oh, no, I don't need it. No, no, I don't. oh, I'm okay. You're not okay. You need this free gift. You need to embrace it because it, it speaks of far more than just what you see in the small term with your physical eyes. This has eternal implications receiving this gift of salvation found in Jesus Christ alone. Next we see the gospel you and I hear and stand upon also saves one's soul if we hold fast to the word that is preached to you and I. The Corinthian Christians had done well in that they received the gospel. They were doing well in that they did stand upon the gospel of Jesus Christ but they, in turn, had to continue to do well and hold fast to the gospel Paul preached to them. Every Christian must take seriously their responsibility not to only have a good past and a good present, but determined to have a great future in the Lord also. How many times have you heard, well, you know, 15 years ago, and, and, and people always talking about the good old days and what, the, what they did back in the day. And what the Lord did back in the day. There should be present day, up to date things that you and I are experiencing in the Lord as we continue to live. That, that's why this whole idea of Jesus Christ getting still in your heart should never be. It doesn't matter how many times you hear about Jesus Christ going to the cross, laying down his life, resurrecting. That, the more you live, the more you should become enamored with the fact that, wow. You did that for me, Lord. That is so deep, right? We, 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 we still can only grasp so much of it. But the more we live, the more we walk with him, the more we see his, his sensitivity or his, his, his love for us, that inclination to want to save us. Oh, man, it'll just melt your heart. It's the greatest love story that you could ever Read, but forget just reading. You're actually a part of it because this is real. And that, that's what makes it so transcendent is it's not, it's not some novel. It's not some fairy tale. This is reality. And it's drenched in the love of God the Father, of the whole Godhead, that he would send his only son to die for you and me. But then you see the amazing power of God that he conquered sin death, the grave. He went down to what? The pit of hell, the gates of hell, took back the keys, snatched it up. And now you have that peace of knowing that it's all good. You don't have, you know, you don't have to go to bed with worrying about stuff. What is, what is Philippians 4, 6 say? Worry about nothing. Pray about everything, right? Thank the, tell the Lord what you need and thank him for all he has done. I mean, that's, 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 that's dope. <laughs> the fact that he says, worry about nothing. We shouldn't be worried. You know, we, we, I, I like to use the word concerned. He's like, dude, pray about it. Pray about it. Tell him what you need. If you need wisdom, he'll give you wisdom. If you need comfort, he'll give you comfort. If you need peace, he'll give you peace. If you need money, he'll probably provide you for a job. 
or maybe somebody will come and put some groceries on your, your doorstep. I've heard so many crazy stories of people that were, I don't know what I do. And the Lord provides. The Lord comes through, right? I've heard Mark Mills say it a while ago, right? He may come at 11.59, the last second of the last minute before it hits 12, but he's right on time. His time is perfect. And, 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 and that's the thing we need to understand about the God we serve. It's a beautiful thing. Hold fast. This is important. Hold fast implies that there were actually some people that were starting to let go and that there were other things that might want to snatch these believers away from the true gospel of Jesus Christ. All the more they had to hold on. If you think about your own life today, I'm sure there are instances where you sense something trying to pull you away. It's that spiritual battle. Jesus is like, come closer to me. The enemy is like, whatever schemes, tricks, gadgets, gizmos, people, he'll try to use to deter you, to get you to have your blinders covered and you can't see what the Lord is trying to do in your life. This is where the, the, the phrase comes in, unless you believe in vain. You see, if these Corinthian Christians did not continue to hold fast, one day they actually might let go of the gospel. See, people will say, well, what happened? That person was so solid in the Lord. What happened? Why do they fall away? I'm not saying you can lose your salvation and I can't judge eternally a person's heart, but I'll tell you this. You can walk 50 years with the Lord, but if you die walking away from Him, I beg to differ. Were you even saved to begin with? Because again, a regenerated heart, you're going to continue to walk. Because there's so many stories of people who walk with the Lord, go through intense trial, tribulation. They walk harder with them all the more. They don't fall away. They didn't fall off because of something that happened. They stayed with Him regardless of the circumstances. Again, I can't speak to what's in any person's heart. We know from the Scriptures what they say. We need to hold fast to the Word of God no matter what comes in. And if we find ourselves in a position where we've compromised our integrity, God is so gracious and good, all it is is a matter of us turning back. What does repent mean? To change one's mindset. And if we were in a place where we have no inclination to repent, you know what the best thing to do is? Ask the Lord, please grant me repentance. Please help me to change right? Or he'll come. He's, he's infinite, all-knowing. He'll put us in circumstances. He'll put the pressure on so tight that one day we will turn back. We will turn back because we'll recognize what has gone on and how we've been in the wrong. But the reality is whether we've walked continuously or we find ourselves falling away, the warning is here. Do not believe in vain. Hold fast to the belief of who Jesus Christ is. The application is this. Today as you hear the good news of the gospel, the fact that Jesus Christ is resurrected from the dead, the gift of salvation He offers to you and I, to our loved ones, to the world around us, do not 
harden your heart. Be honest enough with yourself to at least listen to the message that the Lord conveys through His Word and allow God to speak to your heart and hear what He has to say to you. Make the decision to be eternally forgiven. Then purpose for your life to stand upon the Word of God forever. That will bring you peace. That will bring you joy. Then continue to hold on to the Word of God for the rest of your life. Because the reality is this. We are either for God or we are against Him. There is no middle road. The spiritual battle is so blatant nowadays that if you don't see it, it's simply because you are choosing to blind yourself from the reality of what's going on. Again, I'm not going to spend much time on it, but I will use a quick example. I know that uh, Betty and Scott had talked to me. You guys talked to me, was it was it last Sunday? You guys asked me, you wear Nikes? <laughs> you know me, I, I had to do some research on the situation. I'm like, um, I found out whatever, it's... A rabbit hole but I will say it briefly it's not necessarily Nike it's another company that bought a bunch of shoes and they remodded them they do all that but you know there's just bad stuff going on in the world right you can't say putting pentagrams and drops of blood in an Air Max sole and, and and saying these shoes are straight satanic and say that that's just a joke it's not a joke There's spiritual warfare and it's not a good thing it's not a good thing but yet, in all that, the Lord overpowers all that. You see, and, and I will share this real quick briefly about that. The Lord did show me, you know what, this is just a distraction. It's just a distraction. Where's your perspective? What are those dumb shoes going to do? Nothing. For the people that embrace them and think that that's the cool thing, pray for those people that one day their hearts will be turned and they will see that this is not good. I don't want to embrace this. I don't want to take part in this. I don't want to involve myself with people that promote this as this is such a good thing. The sad thing about it is the artist that did all that, his main audience is young children. And so you see, again, the enemy and the tactics that Satan uses. They're going to attack. He is going to attack these young children because they are the most vulnerable. And that's all the more reason as we sit here and celebrate this glorious day of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we purpose in our hearts to stand firm upon the rock of Jesus. And as we live our lives, be those vessels that can reflect the light of Jesus Christ to this dying world around us. Because again, like I said, it's so blatant that either we recognize it for what it is, or we just turn a blind eye and say, oh, it's not that bad. Oh, it's just... It's just play. No, it's not play. These things are serious. Okay. We're getting to the good part now. <laughs> All right. So it says in verse 3, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. This is beautiful. This is this is such oh, this is such a, 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 a gem right here. It says, "For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received." You see, Paul didn't make this up. He didn't he didn't contrive a gospel message. He didn't try to formulate. Let me come up with this with this 
with this intricate way, with this way that I, I can persuade people to, to hear about Jesus. No, he personally received it, not from man, but from Jesus Christ, according to Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. And then Paul delivered it. The application is this. Preachers, teachers of the word of God, do not make the gospel. If any preacher or teacher you sit under makes up the gospel or adds to the gospel, it's not worthy of you having. It's wasting your time. Originality in preaching is one thing. Some people are like, oh, I like this one pastor because, man, you know, whatever, blah, blah. He cracks jokes. I like his personality. That's cool. That's one thing. Some people are more... You know, they're, 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 I guess, blander or they're not as entertaining to some people. But if it's originality in the statement of the doctrine, that's a false doctrine. You see, we are not makers or inventors. We are repeaters. <laughs> we tell the message that we have received. That's why week in, week out, so thankful to the Lord that he's kept me up to this point. I don't got nothing new to tell you. I got nothing new to tell you. All I got is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's what's in the Scriptures. That's what saves men's souls. That's what regenerates your relationships. That's what will bring you from point A to B. That's what will bring you the joy and the peace in your life. That's what you're looking for. For some people, that seems to be too simple. Well, I, I want to hear something else. Give me something else that's going to give me what I want. But we, you see, we're so wayward, we don't even know what we want. How many times have we had desires for this, that, and the other, only to find out that that's not what I wanted? <laughs> that's not what I wanted. I thought I wanted that, but then when I got it, I wasn't even fulfilled. And what will fulfill you and give you joy and peace and comfort is something that you don't even have to pay for. Because it's already been paid for. All you have to do is humbly Receive it and enjoy it. Enjoy Jesus. I like what Lou said when we were praying earlier. He said, this is a celebration. Don't, don't, don't walk around all glum and all solemn. This is, a, this is a day to rejoice. Every day is a day to rejoice, but especially this day. We need to remember that the Lord wants us to enjoy Him, to have fellowship with Him, right? Not, ah, head down. <laughs> I can't enjoy the Lord. Why can't you enjoy the Lord? Dude, repent, get right, you're good. That's it. You know, don't take that burden upon your shoulders because you can't, you can't bear it. You're going to get buried under the strain and the guilt and the shame. Let it go. And it gets really deep when someone's passed away and maybe something happened and somebody did something to you and now you can no longer talk to them. I've heard it been said many a times. You know what? Whatever method works right for you, if you've got to write a letter, pray over that letter, Relieve that person of what they've done for you. Commit them to the Lord. Right? Forgiveness is really about what it does for you. Because now you don't have to have that spite, have that hate, have that bitterness, have that, that ugh, I got to get back at them. What, is, what does the Lord say? Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Not us. We don't have to take revenge for what's been done. It's, it's unfortunate that, yes, not good things happen in this world. But those scars that you carry... They don't have to define you. Let the Lord define you. Let the Lord clear those things from you. Maybe you will never forget, but you can forgive and move on. And that's where the liberation comes. And it's only found in Jesus Christ.
This is the beauty of this other statement that Paul said, first I received. You and I can't give what we don't have. We can't. If you don't have Jesus in your heart, you can't give him. That's why, that's why some people can, can, can stand up here and they spit facts and they spit this and they say this and they say that, but it doesn't connect. Why? If you're just reading off the pages, yes, the Word of God speaks for itself. The Word of God can, can convict. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. He doesn't need anybody to convey His Word. What I'm saying is this. If you have had that encounter with Jesus where you've fallen on your face, where you recognize, man, I'm a sinner, I need to repent. Lord, change my life. Let me live for you. There's been, you've, your life has been altered forever. Then that's something that you've received. And now... As a vessel for the Lord Jesus Christ, you can be used to reflect that same light and share that truth of the gospel so other people around you in your sphere of influence can experience this. And that's the beautiful thing that we have the opportunity of doing. Again, we are not worthy of, of, of partnering with the Lord, but again, how, how so much He loves us that He is willing to do this, and He wants to do that. You know the Bible says that you're the apple of His eye, right? That's a beautiful thing. Lord, keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me beneath the shadow of your wings. That's a, that's a beautiful verse. That's a beautiful nugget of truth to hold on to. I mean, just that verse alone will keep you. Man, Lord, keep me as the apple of your eye. I need you. It's not, it's not any of this other stuff that's keeping me. Who keeps your heart beating? Who keeps your lungs pumping air through your, your body? Who keeps uh, your senses working? It's all the Lord. Every day is a gift. It's a precious gift. Your mind and how your neurons work and all that crazy stuff, how you can see through your eyes, it's just crazy. You know? Talk about a complex computer. This ain't no 64-bit what you got. You know, what you're encapsulated in. This is the creation of the Almighty God and the fact that He made it out of dirt. What? The fact that scientists have said all the minerals and makeups in your body, it all, it's all the same thing. It's all the same compounds. It's all the same things we find in some soil, just in some dirt. Wow. And he breathed breath and his spirit. He gave a bit of his spirit to every single person. Wow. That's amazing. That's why there's no excuse. That's no, there's no excuse. Romans talks about it. We don't have enough time to, to cover that. But Romans talks about it. All that you see, it's all there. It's all encapsulated in the world he created. We see the glory of God, but we either choose to accept it or we choose to reject it. At the core of the gospel, again, it's historical events. These things happened. The gospel isn't a matter of religious opinion or fairy tales. It's about historical events. It's the truth of what Jesus Christ has done. The application is this. Our religion is not based upon opinions, but upon facts. Sometimes we hear people say, well, well, those are, those are your views. We live in a day and age where this, I think we're past relativism now. But it's, it's where, well, those are your views, and these are my views. We can all coexist, and, and we can all be okay together. We, we include everything now. Man, everybody's included. Nobody wants to stand up and say, this is right, and no, that's wrong. It's like, I just, I mean, I, I, guess, I'm, I, I guess I'm wrong. <laughs> 
It's like, no, that's wrong. That is clearly wrong. And this is right. Uh, Daniel sent me a, Daniel, you're in the back right now, but you sent a, you sent a, I don't know what you call it. Is it a meme or what? I don't know what it was, but it was crazy. It's like, it's got the little, the little, uh, you know, the, the person standing there and it's got all kind of different symbols and, you know, different religions and different, uh, everything's a, everything's a cause now, right? And what's this thing with be an influencer? Everybody's an influencer. It's just crazy. All this stuff. And then it's got this one single person with the cross in their heart and Jesus there. And, 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 and the person that's got all these other things we're saying, you, you, all these other things you can do and accept, saying somebody brainwashed you to the Christian. Somebody brainwashed you. No, we're not, we're not brainwashed. We've been, we've been, the blinders of the hearts, uh, the eyes of our hearts have been opened, and now we see the reality of what is true and what's false. Again, we love people, but we show them Christ. We show them Christ in, 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 in the belief that at some point Jesus is going to convict hearts and turn people to himself. Whatever your views may be, is a small matter because the reality comes down to what are the facts. That is what we rest our faith upon. Christ died and resurrected. This is the center of the gospel. Though the idea of celebrating the death of a Savior seems foolish to the world, it is salvation to those who believe. We all know how Jesus died. We all know that the Roman government executed him in the most devious way possible, crucifixion. And we know all the things that went on with that. And it's, it's very gruesome in detail and, and, and it's very intense. But these are the things that the Lord had to endure to secure our salvation. These are the things. I was going to go over <laughs> all that, but I think I'll save that. Maybe that was just for me. On your own time, you can study up and understand better the things that the Lord went through. But I will say this, how bad was crucifixion? Well, the reality is this, we get our English word excruciating from the word, the Roman word, out of the cross. And when you say something is excruciating, right? That's a very painful. That's, I can't take it. That's, give me morphine. Numb me up. I don't want to feel this anymore. That is, that pales in comparison to what Jesus experienced on the cross. Nonetheless, this is what we can relate it to so we can understand in our present day. However, we never speak of the physical sufferings of Jesus to make us feel sorry for Jesus as if he needed our pity. Again, who could better have done it but him? You better praise God that he went to the cross and allowed his life to be laid down. And he took it back up for you and I. Rather... Save your pity for those who reject the complete work of Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary. 
And save your pity for the preachers who twist, contort, and distort the Word of God. And Sunday after Sunday, preach other things other than Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I will say this, whatever. You want to have ponies? You want to have balloons? That's cool. Maybe if we had more kids, we'd have pony and balloons too. Maybe once or twice. I don't know. But the heart of the matter better be Jesus. Don't be giving out slushies and having light shows and doing all this and that. And he gets lost in the mix. That doesn't make sense. And he can't say, well, because we have technology, we should, yes, you use the technology. I get it. But what's at the heart of what is preached and taught week in, week out? It needs to be Christ and his love for you that he gave his life so you don't have to be apart from him for eternity. The application is this. Understanding what Jesus Christ went through for you, it should cause you to humble yourself before him. It should. That's just the reality. Understanding, man, it's, it's no joke. You went through all that for me? At the very least, I better, <laughs> I better give my life to you. I better serve you for the rest of my days. Because you've done this for me. Christ died for our sins. Woo! Okay, a little wind. That's alright. That is okay. Pick him up right there. Put him back. Hope we don't fall over again. Maybe I'll move it over here. Probably be smarter. Fall against that pole. Christ died for your sins, for my sins. How does, how does death, how does him giving his life cure us of our sins? Noble men and women die every day for righteous causes. How does the death of Jesus Christ do anything for our sins? Well, we have to understand again prophecy and the prophetic things that were said of Jesus creating this transaction and finishing this work upon the cross. God the Father laid upon the sins of the world and the guilt and wrath on Jesus and He bore it perfectly, totally satisfying the wrath of God in our place. You see, we don't like to talk about that much in church. We don't like to talk about the wrath of God. It's real. Why did Jesus talk more about heaven, uh, hell than He talked about heaven? Because He knew people were going to be like... I'm not really feeling you, bro. I'm not hearing that. I'm not, I'm not going to accept the fact that you're saying I'm a sinner, that I'm a wicked person, I got a wicked heart, that I need to be changed. No, I'm not going to hear that. But it's true. We have to be real with what's going on. We can rejoice now because we know that we've been changed and we know that we have the new man on who's Christ Jesus. We have the blood of Jesus that covers us. That's the righteousness of Christ that's imputed to us. That's a beautiful thing. That's why holding on to that, holding on to a deer, you know, it should never leave you. That's why we need to understand these things. But, but this is the reality. As horrible as this physical suffering that Jesus had to go through, he endured, it was really, truly the act of him being apart from his father. That's what he talked about, that dreadful cup, right? That he must drink. God's righteous wrath. The fact that he had to be apart from his father because of sin. God the Father couldn't even look upon his son because of the sin. 
but the fact that this was all part of the plan. He knew it was going to be all good. I mean, if you look, if you take a snapshot of Jesus's life and just those main things, right? Went to the cross, endured the shame, died, resurrected. Your life is going to go through patterns like that. That's what trials and tribulations are all about. You know Jesus, you identify with him. I'm not saying you're dying physically every day because that's not possible, right? But you're going to go through things that make you feel like you're dying at times. Parts of you. Man, what is this, Lord? But it's all part of his plan. And in the end, you're going to be resurrected with him. And you're going to be at peace forever in eternity in the new heaven and the new earth. That's a beautiful thing. We wouldn't be able to save ourselves or anyone else since we were born sinners. Isaiah chapter 53 verses 3 through 5 tell us this. He despised and reje- he is despised, excuse me, and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and he hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him strictly smitten by God and afflicted but he was wounded for our transgressions he was buried for our iniquities then the chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed and you're healed today you're healed and you can look to the present help from your Lord and from your Savior you know that he's right now interceding for you at the right hand of the Father that's a place of highest honor and glory. And He's there. That's a beautiful thing. But this is the most beautiful thing. This is the greatest news ever. This is the mic drop. We could just go home now. That's it. I mean, all that what I shared right now, I get, you know, whatever it is, what it is, but He rose again. He rose again. Nobody else has rose again. And some may say, what about Enoch? He took Enoch. You got to look at the scriptures real, real quickly. It talks about Jesus Christ is the only one who's seen heaven. I'm not saying people that have passed on that, you know, but I'm, what I'm saying is Jesus Christ is the one who's seen heaven. He is first and foremost in all those that go. He rose again. This is the essential truth of the gospel. We need to get this clear as well with Jesus resurrecting. Although Jesus bore the full wrath of God on the cross as if He was a guilty sinner, guilty of all our sin, He Himself did not become a sinner. Even the act of taking our sin was an act of holiness, giving love for us so that Jesus Himself did not become a sinner even though He bore our full guilt and our sin. This is a beautiful thing. This is the Gospel message that Jesus took our punishment of sin on the cross and remained a perfect Savior through the whole ordeal. And He resurrected it is for this reason that He is the Holy One, even in His death. 
since it is incomprehensible for God's only Holy One, He's the only one that could do this, He would not remain bound by sin. The resurrection was absolutely inevitable. This was going to happen. And on the third day, it occurred. This is so prophetic. It, it is seen in so many verses. There are too many. I'm not going to go through them. You can go through them yourself. But the prophecies have been fulfilled when Jesus Christ resurrected. This is no add-on. There's no more important work than Him raising from the dead. If the cross, I'll put it this way, if the cross is the payment for our sins, the empty tomb is the receipt, as you will, showing that the perfect Son of God made perfect payment for our sins. The payment itself is of little good without the receipt. But we have the receipt, the empty tomb, the fact that He rose from the dead. And that's why the resurrection of Jesus Christ is such a prominent theme in the preaching of the church. And it should be today. This is what we should hear all the time. We shouldn't hear all this other stuff because there's nothing else without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is a unique case. This wasn't the general resurrection of the dead. This was... On the third day, he rose. And it demonstrates Jesus' credibility because he proclaimed that he would rise from the dead on the third day. You can read about that all through Matthew. All the Gospels talk about that. He is the first to resurrect according to the Scriptures. Because this was so important, Paul repeats it twice in these two verses. Jesus' work didn't come out of thin air. It was planned from long ago that this would happen. Today, as we remember what has been done for us and truly celebrate the fact that we can now serve God free from shame, free from guilt, free from bitterness, free from all those things because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He has conquered sin and death and hell for good. In that we rejoice. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, just thank You for Your finished work. Lord, You're still writing the pages of our lives, but we can rejoice in the fact that You've done what needed to be done so that we don't have to live in sin anymore. We can be holy as you are holy, set apart for your service. Lord, we have the hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that one day when our time comes, we will resurrect as well. And we will be before you, we will be with you, and we will enjoy you for all eternity. Now as it stands, allow us, Father, to embrace the truth of who Jesus Christ is and stand for the truth of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus Christ, laying His life down and taking it back up, that mankind would not have to suffer eternally. May we share that truth with those around us, by not only our words, but by our actions, and how we live. May people see that difference. May people see the light of Jesus Christ in us. And may we honor You with all we do. Father, we thank You and love You. We pray this in Jesus Christ's wonderful name. Amen.